everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday, and that means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic. I write for The Wrap. I write for the film Verdict. I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Hello, my name is Whitney Seibold. I contribute to Slash Film. That's it. You write more than I do. That's the irony of it. It sounds it sounds a little more impressive when you say it out loud, but when you actually get down to the nitty gritty, Whitney is a more prolific uh, I, uh, film critic than I am lately. I, I do write numerous articles. You do for Slash Film. I uh, I got to do two reviews this week, which I was very proud of. Got to I read review. your Equalizer three review. It was Thank very you. good. Got, yeah, I reviewed the Equalizer three. Yeah. Uh, I actually also reviewed the Equalizer two back in twenty eighteen. Good memories. Uh, and I reviewed the new season of Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, which premiere as, as of this recording, is going to premiere next week. I'm going to stop you right there. Mm. Uh, we do not need another excuse to talk about uh, talk about Star Trek. Mm. We'll get to that somewhere else. This yes. is a very different corner of nerddom. Yes. Let's uh, focus on that. This I, is I our have, Godzilla podcast. I've powered, powered my nerd gland for, for Godzilla <laughs> as well. Uh, and we're, um, we're on another low-budget island adventure... Okay, so uh, we're back with Jun Fukuda. Yeah. Ishido Honda was busy making King Kong Escapes. Yep. Which was awesome. The the kaiju films have bifurcated. Now, once again, this is our podcast. We do every Godzilla movie ever made, including the tangential ones. And uh, we're doing them in order. Thank you for joining us. Uh, when last we met Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Godzilla was... a David Lean picture. <laughs> <laughs> when last we met Godzilla. When last we met Godzilla, uh, he was uh, fighting Ebira, the horror of the deep. A giant lobster monster and, and, on an island full of vague terrorists. Uh, yeah. What, like, what, they what, the, what they were trying to accomplish the, the, and why and for whom we'll never red, know. The Red Sash. I forgot. I even oh, the Red Bamboo. The, red Bamboo. That was they're called. Um, red Bamboo. The Red Bamboo. They, you never get ready for the Red Bamboo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Godzilla pulled a lobster apart, dipped him in drawn butter, and threw him in the ocean. Yeah. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a bit of a, a reprieve. Oh. We had Ishiro Honda, who didn't make that last Godzilla movie, even though he did pretty much all the other ones. Uh, he did King Kong Escapes, mm. which was our last episode. A lot of fun. Yeah. Got a Robo Kong in it. It was pretty dang neat. And I had a good time. And it was a nice little reprieve. And now we are back. And Jun Fukuda has a very different overall tone and perspective on Godzilla. And that these movies are being made simultaneously. That Ishiro Honda is yeah. doing like his version of these kaiju movies. And now Jun Fukuda is doing his version is like that weird brief period and some of our younger listeners might not know this when there were two animated sonic the hedgehog shows on tv at the same time <laughs> there was uh and they were both called sonic the hedgehog yes. just to to uh, and the people's brains and they uh uh they had the same voice of sonic mm. to just confuse J- the water jaleel white uh, yeah, was the, the uh, actor's name aka the actor uh, who played urkel um mm. there was the animated series that was for little kids where Around Sonic Saturday mornings it was yeah. the comedy show yeah, yeah and where uh, Dr. Robotnik aka Eggman uh, was very much a comic foil you know you could pull down his pants and see his heart mm. his heart underwear and ha 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 yeah very very silly stuff 
And then on, I think it was on Saturdays, they had the other Sonic the Hedgehog animated series where Dr. Robotnik was actually like a super evil guy who had already conquered the world and Sonic and his friends were like... Trying to the, f- fight to get the world back. It was like a the, lost world back. They were like the rebels in Star Wars and it took itself really, really seriously and the animation was done very differently. But they were on at the same time. They had the same cast. It was the same Sonic the Hedgehog. The tones were really different. It was yeah. very confusing. Now, Shiro Honda's films aren't, you know, dark usually, but there's definitely a different vibe that Jun Fukuda has. I feel like Jun Fukuda is infinitely more concerned about entertaining children yeah. than Shiro Honda is. He, he makes these films very bright, very silly. Uh, even the musical score, which, by the way, I really like the musical score in Son of Godzilla. It's brassy. Uh-huh. It's it's really in your face. Well, it's really trying to tell the story, yeah. and I had fun with that. Several things are happening. Uh, the the tone of these things are changing. I think because they understood that little kids were enjoying them. Yeah. So they're uh, sort of now rolling with what their perceived audience was, which is much younger. And yeah. so remember when RoboCop three was PG thirteen and had like. A pet Ed two oh nine. Yeah, same sort of thing. That, that yeah, that, happened... and that was a terrible idea, by the way. That movie stank. But I, I understand that. But we, it's the similar phenomenon. Yeah. You know, um, they did that with Police Academy as well. They started mm. first ones are rated R, and then they got mm. kind of gentler as the series went on because they understood younger audiences were watching them. Uh, and you know, filmmaking styles are changing. Uh, we mentioned a couple episodes ago that Ishido Honda's contract with Toho ran out a couple films ago and mm-hmm. he had to uh, negotiate each one individually yeah which was a pain and that made hit made him like less inclined to make these his output like mm. not quite as prolific he's only making like four a year instead of eight yeah uh, and that left room for other people to come yeah, in other people could stamp. come in and yeah. also it's difficult to gauge <clears throat> the popularity of godzilla as a character at this point yeah because uh, originally, Godzilla was sort of this uh, go-to villain. We have a new monster. monster. Let's get Godzilla in here uh, as the heavy. And we'll have this new monster beat up Godzilla to show that you know it's righteous. If you'll recall the tagline from Alien vs. Predator, mm. whoever wins, we lose, was kind of the tone mm. for the first couple of Godzilla movies. Like, yeah, Godzilla might defeat Angerus, but then we still have to deal with Godzilla, and he's yeah. killing everyone. So yeah, Godzilla was the and you know King Kong versus Godzilla. It's like yeah. oh, King, thank goodness King Kong is here to beat up Godzilla and, and take care bad. of that menace. Uh, and uh, yeah, at one point uh, when King Ghidorah showed up, and even an eviler monster. Yeah, that's when Godzilla started to be sort of positioned as the righteous monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, even not then, he had to be bad. talked into it. Yeah, like there was actually that wonderful scene where Mothra tried to convince both mm-hmm. Godzilla and Rodan to save Earth from King Ghidorah, and both Godzilla and Rodan were like, but we hate people, they're mean to us. Mm. And all of a sudden, oh, they're the... Oh, they weren't weren't so bad all along. They were trying to mind their own business. It's not their fault they're huge. They don't care, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, around there, Godzilla started to become a hero, but I think even that concept wore thin real fast. Mm. Where, uh, you know, we're dealing with... Ishiro Hondo's making movies about other monsters, doesn't really care about Godzilla's arc. No. I feel like by the time... And, character, yeah. He's and just, you he's mentioned the, that yeah. uh, it's an absurd moment. I think a lot of fans like the victory dance that yeah. uh, Godzilla did in uh, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. A.K.A. Invasion uh, of Astro Monster. Inv- invasion of Astro Monster. Yeah. Um, Ishiro Honda hated that. And I think yeah. at that moment it was kind of done. It's like, this is just a pop culture joke now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on making these monster movies, but I don't really care about Godzilla anymore. Yeah. 
And so they handed Godzilla off to Jun Fukuda, who's going to start doing more and more of these. Uh, and Jun Fukuda, I think, is just like... He's like a lot more raucous. I think he's apparently yeah, like yeah. like younger. Wants to have a little bit more fun with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Godzilla is a little bit more of a cartoon character. Yeah, Ishida Honda's going to be back. Yep, we still have Destroy All Monsters ahead of us. Yes, we do. And uh, Destroy All Monsters is one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> so um, okay. we'll, we'll get there soon. But yeah, things have been shifting a lot in terms of attitudes towards Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, in this film. Uh, they decided to give Godzilla a son. And apparently the idea wasn't actually so much for kids. They were concerned that Godzilla movies weren't good enough date movies. So they thought if they gave Godzilla like a cute kid Godzilla Uh to take care of, that the women in the audience would find that charming. Because if there's one thing women don't like... It's movies that aren't about children and raising them. <laughs> and it's something really condescending in the entire premise of that. Uh, and, and of I mean, course... It's, it's blazingly sexist. Yeah. Uh, this is the first Godzilla movie that had a woman writing it. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I wrote, I wrote that. It's right a little right. bit of trivia for the... Yeah. For Godzilla fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, hold on, what the... All, all the other screenwriters to date have all been men. And all the filmmakers have all been men. Because yeah. it's just a blazingly sexist industry in a blazingly sexist world yeah uh, katsue shiba uh yeah, is the is the co-writer I, who and uh they, i don't know they, what else she wrote but uh, uh yeah i'm actually not sure either but uh, uh shinichi sekizawa had been writing a bunch of these and um i believe i think katsue shiba wrote the first draft um so godzilla's gonna have a son but godzilla isn't gonna breed now, this is very important Godzilla I mean, it, doesn't have doesn't have well, who, what, doesn't get married. Godzilla doesn't uh, is isn't like laying his own eggs and like sort of raising animals, uh, you know, sort of like uh, w- without needing uh, procreation. Uh, Godzilla, like Tarzan before him, finds a son. <laughs> Back in the Tar- old Tarzan uh, didn't have a son. Tarzan yeah. found a son. Yeah, the old Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan movies, the first two of which. Pretty dang well made. Uh, Tarzan the Ape Man's pretty good. Tarzan finds his mate is excellent. Yeah, that's like that, that's like super sexy. It's pre code yeah. movie. Uh, Johnny Weissmuller starred in a whole bunch of Tarzan movies. The first two were pre code, and there's like actual nudity in those mm-hmm. and a lot of violence. But as the series kept going and kept making money, uh, the production code started to settle in. The production code was the si- system of self censorship. The Hollywood studio the system Hayes adopted code, for itself yeah. uh, because they were afraid that if they didn't adopt a system of self-censorship, uh, there would be... The government would step in. The government yeah. step in or local governments would step in. And a lot of like movies were being like banned in certain cities or states. And so they were like, okay, we'll take care of all the censorship for you. And now all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of things they couldn't do. So, for example, Tarzan and Jane, they never got married. That means they've never had sex. Ergo, they can't possibly have their own son. Mm. The only way for them to introduce a new kid into that mix is for them to find one randomly Mm. in the woods. Never mind that Tarzan is rather 
like part of the the bedrock of Tarzan is that he's a sex fantasy for women. Yeah, that this this handsome ape man will sweet you know swing you away and take you to this comfy tree cottage and, mm-hmm. and ravish you like a wild animal. That's the appeal of Tarzan. Well, according to Jane in those movies, it is. I mean, she just mm. flat out says, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with this." Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's. I'm kind not, of explicitly I'm stated in the not, narrative. I'm not going to state with these boring guys. Here's here's yeah. a, a shirtless Olympic you swimmer. You can drink your own tea. With. I'm going to just fuck him for years. <laughs> um, so Godzilla, who was created like through the f- nuclear fire, mm. and I guess he was like kind of a dinosaur who got mutated. Um, so it depends on the myth. In, in, it's kind of vague about mm. it, right? Because like he, I was he's in... a, a mutated animal of some kind, like right. was once an Earth animal, but grew into a Godzilla creature. But when we get to the creature called Manila, mm. who is Godzilla's son, who shows up, which is uh, a portmanteau of uh, mini miniature mini and uh, Godzilla mini la. I get it. Yeah. Um, he's in an egg that's been like buried under like rock mm. in an island for. God knows how many, how long. But you get the impression it was like centuries. Yeah. So like, when was Manila irradiated? Why can he shoot fire out of his mouth? Don't, don't question the biology of Godzilla. <laughs> um, if they wouldn't raise the question, I wouldn't want an uh, answer. And they, ne- and they never really do answer it. That, no. you know, was Godzilla like a, a this species that once existed on Earth and yeah. was irradiated you know is minila full size when he grows up like it's about half the size of godzilla yeah how big is he gonna get is he gonna get godzilla Mm. size is this what manila is this all we're gonna get from manila Mm. manila won't be in a lot of these movies and thank goodness minila is the scrappy do of the Mm. godzilla series that Mm. is the the junior counterpart that you just kind of hate that they brought in for kid appeal and kind of out of desperation. I know some people who like the Manila movies that he was in, uh, but I've never really heard anyone say that their favorite character in Godzilla or their favorite monster Mm. in Godzilla is Manila. And I think part of that is because of the way Manila is portrayed. Uh, He's always getting in the way. Uh, He's always getting into trouble. The monster design is terrible. The monster design is weird looking. it, It looks like... It, it looks like if a, like if if Godzilla scratches you and you start turning into a Godzilla. Imagine if Godzilla like scratched a Campbell's soup yeah. kid. They make him look too human, and I realize yeah. that Godzilla has human qualities. He's a biped. Mm-hmm. Um, he can, and he H- Haru Nakajima is in there, you know, wearing yeah. that suit. Although, Although actually, not in this film very much. Haru Nakajima like plays Godzilla in a few scenes, but yeah, Jin yeah. Fukuda actually cast like a couple other stunt performers. They wanted uh, because uh, there was a little person playing uh, Manila. They wanted the, the, the mansion. I think is the, uh, the character Marchan. Marchan. Uh, they wanted the guy playing Godzilla to be as tall as possible in order to emphasize that Godzilla is like the father to a young boy, mm. basically. Um, so they ended up getting uh, a few other actors, uh, Hiroshi Sakita and Seiji Onaka, uh, also played Godzilla, uh, in this film. Um, we'll get to Godzilla and Manila, uh, in, in a bit when the plot gets around to them, because it's going to take a minute. Uh, I do appreciate that Jun Fukuda knows that we're here to see Godzilla. It's literally called Son of Godzilla. 
and he gives us Godzilla in the first minute. And then Godzilla okay. goes away for a while, but the promise of Godzilla mm. is made early. Godzilla is, is on his way to the, the site of the action. Yeah, there's, a, there's an island. The ocean. There's an island that's all going to take place on. There's mysterious experiments Someone's going fil- on. And it filmed on Guam. Not, they didn't film oh, in actually, Japan. Didn't know that. yeah. That's interesting. Um, they, the film opens with people flying an airplane, and all of their communications get jammed, and the radio guy says, and I'll never forget this, it's like a guidance signal, but with brainwaves. And I'm like, yeah. you are a very good radio operator that you can recognize brainwaves. <laughs> Look, the, the, all kinds of crazy monster shit has happened in this universe. That We don't know what kind of... Yeah. How that's affected the sciences. I suppose not. Uh, anyway, they almost run into Godzilla. Godzilla mm-hmm. is following this this signal, this brainwave that is calling him to the island. We'll, la- we'll later find out it's Manila. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a jaunty musical theme with credit sequences over this island and a lot of the island some of it was clearly shot on a soundstage a lot of the island is filmed like gilligan's island is filmed and it really does feel like we're about to watch the godzilla sitcom like the tone uh, well, is really light that's that's jun fukuda for exactly. you. these uh, jun fukuda I, I believe is going to do the one with jet jaguar so you know mm. the, that's godzilla versus megalon um they get pretty ridiculous once he takes over. And they're they already kind of ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're plenty ridiculous, but Ishida yeah. Honda like, made them feel like movies. Yeah. Jun Fukuda makes them feel like matinee entertainment. Like uh, and indeed, matinee with entertainment. this this movie, we've, we've mentioned before that a lot of the Godzilla movies, when they came to America contemporaneously, they would often play as like the second feature in a double feature release. Yeah. But they were theatrically released. They were available. This one went straight to TV. That was that was oh. what they thought. American audience were like, no one's going to want to see this one in a the theater. This one goes to TV. And so this one went to TV in America. It never got a theatrical release over here, which I think is pretty funny. Um, anyway, here we are. We're on Sel- What's it? Sol Gel Island. Sol Gel, yeah. Sol Gel, I guess. Um, that was my pronunciations. Uh, and uh, we are uh, in the middle of... There's a performing experiment. It's like uh, the, the flashback stuff on Lost. Where they're all on the island and performing weird experiments with polar bears and shit. But in this one... It's weather equipment in this one. They're doing weather equipment. They're working for the World Food Planning Organization. And not, as I rather expected from watching the the credits, uh, Pan American Airways. Because there's a whole title card that says this movie was presented in association with Pan American Airways. I really thought there'd be more airplanes in it. Or reference to airplanes? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Why are you spending? I, not that I'm like demanding product placement in my movies, but if you're gonna put that in the opening credits, you kind of set me up to think that Pan American Airways is gonna have something to do with this, and they do not, and that's very funny. Um, but yeah, so it turns out uh, a, a reporter, uh, 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 what do you, what do you call it? Jumps from jumps off a plane. Okay, he has a parachute, and he's like Sky, skydiving. Yeah, and he's just, just like, word. "Hi, I'm a I'm a reporter, and I'm here to get the scoop." And mm-hmm. they're like, "Well, there's no scoop here on this mysterious island of mystery where we can't tell you about anything." And he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna stay until you do." Okay, fine. You're the cook. I'm what now? Mm-hmm. So now he's the cook, and he gradually uh, discovers that the scheme. There's a scientist there. He's got a plan. Uh, he's working with weather manipulators. He's got these two towers, and they set out these big balloons that like release chemicals into the sky. It's kind of like uh, beginning of Snowpiercer. Um, 
And the idea is, in a hundred years, overpopulation is going to destroy humanity. Hey! Talking about that in the 60s, nice. Uh, and they're concerned about where we're going to get all the food necessary to feed everybody. And this guy is like, well, if I can find a way to basically terraform, like the Genesis device in Star mm -hmm. Trek II, uh, places on Earth that cannot yield crops, like the deserts, yeah, uh, that will potentially save humanity. Uh, I'm pretty sure we need all different kinds of biomes in the the world in order for everything to kind of work properly well, but given environmental disasters maybe yeah. we can undo some of the like the clear cutting of forests that's Re regrow some of that that would be fine but yeah. I, what i don't understand is his plan is this i'm going to find a way to rapidly freeze a place how does that help it grow crops um you can grow certain plants and ice uh you know what he wants to farm snowshoe rabbits <laughs> in the, and in the needs, sahara in the sahara and he yeah, needs okay. a, like an arctic climb so and brings in the rabbits and has them polar bear meat it's really tasty i don't know look <laughs> it's very confusing it, it was so simple all it is to be like hey we just we're trying to come up with a way to fix the weather we found a one excuse for why we're doing that, that doesn't actually make sense with anything that happens in the film. But in any case, this reporter is stooping around. They're going to perform this big experiment. They do. Uh, but Oh, before they do, by the way. Uh, incidentally, there are giant praying mantises on this island. Kamakoruses. Yes. And when we first see them, they're like human size, which is still really fucking big for a praying mantis. And I will say this. I know that like the main Godzilla team and visual effects artists were busy working on King Kong Escapes, which is a much more ambitious production in a lot of ways. The mantises look really cool. It's easier to make like the models out of bugs because bugs are like segmented and armored, so yeah. they, they don't have to bend like uh, yeah. an animal might, like, and, and or then, like, like, bugs are animals, but uh, yeah. you know, like a, a mammal might. Well, because the 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 centipedes and uh, not centipedes, the mantises, and then eventually we're going to get to a, um, a tarantula, a, a, a yeah. giant tarantula. Um, well, actually, not a tarantula because it can spin a web, but a giant spider anyway. Hmm. Um, they're not people in suits; they're giant marionettes, hmm. and they're very, very complicated. Apparently, it took well, like, like multiple human, people. human-sized marionettes. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, but like they apparently took like multiple people just to manipulate like one spider leg. Hmm. That's how complicated the marionette was, and they look really neat. I, I will just say, glowing what, eyes. There's yeah. a really wonderful shot when they first arrive on the island. Yeah. And we see the giant eyes of the mantis before we see the actual like, creature. Like in the dark, in the night, like amongst the trees. And then like it kind of, mm. yeah, it's fucking neat actually. They never explain why there are giant mantises on this island. That's just the world in which we live now. Mm. Sometimes that happens. But in any case, um, uh, they're about to do this big experiment that's going to potentially flash freeze the entire island. Just before that, the reporter guy goes missing because he saw in a lagoon a woman living on the island. Mm. They thought the island was deserted, and he's concerned that she's going to die in this experiment. They don't believe that he's seen a woman on this island because they think... I think it's uninhabited. They think it's unhabited. They think he just decides to playing tricks on him. I don't know why you wouldn't check, but... 
that's what they think. Uh, what they do know is that he's not safely inside the base. And when they count down anyway, it's like, well, he's not here. I guess he might freeze to death. Push the button, Frank. And then they push the button. Uh, and at first it's working good. You know, everything's, you know, the temperature's changing. going to get real cold. And then everything fucks up. And they end up, like, they turn the heat up on the island, too. And uh, for our American audiences, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a little translating here. Uh, right. They said the, the heat on the island got to 70 degrees Celsius. Now, if you actually are familiar with Celsius, you can skip the next, like, 10 seconds. Because in America, we still have the fucking Fahrenheit system. And that is 158 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, uh, I think that would kill you. It's like that's like hotter than Death Valley. That's that's, that's the that, hot. that's hotter than anything has ever been recorded on the planet. Basically, um, the rain that comes is like scalding hot, and it floods the whole island. And at the end of it, they're saying, "Well, it's a good thing we had all this air conditioning." And I'm like, "I think your air conditioner would melt." At 158 degrees. I mean, they're, they're messing with the weather. They probably have some pretty heavy-duty air conditioning. So, so uh, they really fuck up the island. It's really dangerous. And apparently, in the process, all those chemicals, all of that massive heat, has now caused the praying mantises to become Godzilla size, mm. which sure as fuck doesn't help anything. Uh, and they are now being drawn to the same brainwaves that were bringing Godzilla, apparently very slowly, to the island. And they crack open the earth. Mm -hmm. And inside the earth is a giant egg. It's a manila egg. It's a manila egg. And it takes them a couple of days, but they're like, and they have nothing else to do. So they just crack open the egg. And Manila just kind of falls out. And Manila, you know, he's he's a newborn. Mm. Not very uh, coordinated. But uh, basically they're just like, oh, there's a manila in here. Well, let's kick the shit out of them. And then they just do that for a really long time. While a reporter has actually found uh, the young lady on the island. It turns out her father was an archaeologist who stayed there after the end of World War II. And then he died. And she's living there all alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that's basically all there is to that. She's cool, I guess. Uh, She kind of befriends Manila a little bit. Uh, But it all boils down to these, these giant mantises are kicking the shit out of Manila, and then Godzilla shows up and says, Hey, that you thing, kids, that, stop picking on my son. That, 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 that guy's one of me. It's my guy. <laughs> and he's, so... He's, he's with me. Get the, kid, the kids with me. The, the, the metaphor I constantly go back to is mm. Godzilla is the bouncer. Yeah. Imagine he's like a like a divorced dad who mm. works as a bouncer at the bar. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm with my kid tonight. So I have to bring my kid to the bar. Hey, hey, don't bug my kid. <laughs> no, fuck off. You're out of the bar. I don't care if you're regulars. Get out. Godzilla's gonna fight these damn uh, mantises. And he kills two of them. Like, burns them up with his radioactive breath. But in the I melee... I think there's... I think there's four, three. There's three or four. I think yeah. there's three. There's kills two right away, and then there's one left that's All gonna right. be a menace the rest of the film. Maybe two? I think only one, though. Um, in the middle of the melee, uh, Manila is constantly in everyone's way. They do that thing kaiju like to do, apparently, where they pick up a rock and like knock it back and forth. Yeah. Except it keeps hitting Manila in the face. Godzilla, which, which I'm okay with. Godzilla accidentally like whacks Manila with his tail, mm. and even and when Manila is like 
making annoying noises. Even Godzilla, you can kind of see him roll his eyes a little bit, which I didn't know Godzilla could do. Yeah. Apparently there were more scenes of Godzilla being mean to Manila <laughs> that they cut because it, made, it was just too dark. Yeah. Because he's supposed to like Manila. And... Yeah, so they they escape, and Godzilla teaches Manila how to, like, shoot fire breath. Mm. But Manila does it kind of cute, instead of doing it all hardcore. Does, uh, does little smoke rings. Yeah. There's actually one kind of cute moment where it actually feels like Godzilla and Manila aren't... Instead of trying to make them feel like humans, they kind of felt like animals. Because animals are very cute with their with their offspring. Uh, and there's a bit where Godzilla is taking a nap, like just laying yeah, down on yeah. the ground, but his tail is twitching and Manila sees the tail and he starts like jumping over the tail as like a gag. Yeah. And you know what? At that moment, even I was like, my heart didn't melt or anything, but I was like, that's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. That's kind of harmless. If that was all there was to this, I think I could have handled it. I suppose so. I, I feel like we've come a, like, Quite a long way from Godzilla being, like, transported to other planets to fight space dragons. Yeah. I was playing hopscotch. It's like, I guess, jump rope. Yeah. It's, um... It, it, it feels... It, it might be, like, sweet and quaint, but th- those aren't really notes I could really appreciate in a Godzilla picture. Well, at this point, we're, we're moving really far away from what Godzilla originally was. Yeah. And even what Godzilla had become. Hmm. And Godzilla is now so many different kinds of movies that I think it's perfectly okay to say, well, I don't think it's fair to say that this isn't Godzilla, because apparently it is. Um, I think it is okay to say which kind you like. You know, it's like like the James Bond movies. Uh, Do you like, like, the deadly serious Daniel Craig ones? Do you like, like, the silly Roger Moore ones? Hmm. Do you like the Sean Connery ones that kind of straddle that line? Uh, I know people who love the Roger Moore ones and don't like the serious ones, and vice versa. That's fine. As long as you don't yeah. pretend the other ones don't exist, I'm, like, okay with that. Um, so, again, there will be some family-friendly Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, movies that anyone can watch, but, like, specifically made f- for the attentions of younger audiences. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those. And what's weird about it and I've never understood this. When, like, pop culture titans, like, popular franchises or series or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they get it into their head that we need to include a younger character yeah, to appeal to younger audiences. Uh, usually... They make go them, back go back to Tarzan. They go back to Tarzan yeah. is another one. A Batman did this as well. Batman was considered very very dark, giving him and Robin showed up really quick. By the way, people forget that Batman only been around for like a year or two when Robin showed up. Um, they thought it would kind of lighten up the character a bit. This is mm. the point where he was like shooting vampires in their in their coffins and like <laughs> swing down from a building and snapping a guy's neck with his foot as he hung out a window. Like that was really fucking dark for like a year. Mm. And then Robin kind of lightened him up a little bit. But the difference is that unlike, for example, I don't know, the junior ghostbusters who were, <laughs> you know, I, there's, I, there's, there's a, in, 
the real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters, yeah. like, in its later years, like in yeah. the late 80s, when people just really didn't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, they introduced, yeah, this new slew of characters. And mm. I, I understand it. Yeah. Not that... Um, it, it, it may be based on this misguided apprehension that... Uh, kids want to see themselves. That, yeah, shows, that... Yeah. that uh, executives assume that kids want to see themselves. So they include kid characters for the kids who are watching, you know, mm-hmm. avatars they can project themselves into. Um, I don't, I don't think that's quite the thinking. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, we need a character twist. We need, we need a new a, dynamic, a new, a new kind of dynamic yeah. and seeing these characters interact with a different generation mm. is interesting that's potentially part so of it. I, I think that's why we have kid characters it's not sort of mm. necessarily as pandering well, as all that i think sometimes the intention is simply pandering yeah. and that's how it comes across but we've seen this go really badly maybe the worst example ever is scrappy doo i don't know a single person who actually likes scrappy doo scrappy doo is legitimately annoying uh if you're gonna introduce a kid character which usually isn't even necessary. A lot of these shows, they're not about kids projecting. The kids don't want to hang out with the Ghostbusters. We want to grow up to be the Ghostbusters. It's different. Yeah. But if you're going to incorporate a kid character, the kid character has to be useful. Because what's worse than just throwing in a, a kid character who's just sort of there for, for mm. kid appeal is when all of these characters who you liked enough to make the, the series popular in the first place are now hindered by the presence of people like you. <laughs> because if you were Godzilla's son, you would be annoying. You would get in his way. You would ruin his nap. You would be useless in a fight. Who does that help? <laughs> like, Robin is capable. Robin is actually right. capable of fighting alongside Batman. So that one you, you get away with because... I kind of would want to be Robin. I get to be kick-ass. Batman's teaching me. I'm not an annoying psychic. And I'm not Batmite. Where it's like, oh, Batman's God. like, oh, God, yeah. I hate hanging out with this kid. No, he likes Robin. Godzilla seems to begrudgingly like Man- Manila. Yeah, well... Like, Godzilla, like, didn't want this kid, but he's like... It's like three... Yeah. It's like one Godzilla and a baby. Instead of three. <laughs> it's like, he's the only one there who can raise... There are no other Godzillas to raise I'll, this kid. I'll and it's this, up to him, even though he doesn't like it. I'll say this for the Jin Fukuda movies. Um, yeah. Uh, that the the tone is really different. Yeah. Right? They, they feel like a lot more playful and cartoony. Whereas the Shiro Honda movies were a little bit comparatively cinematic. Uh, I'll, at least Godzilla's character has... Like, the monster as a character... Has remained a little consistent. He's yeah. just sort of like he's being put through like, a like more a, annoying circumstances. But but, but he's yeah. still the grumpy asshole. Yeah, and, and and I appreciate that about Son of Godzilla at the very least. I'm picturing now like there's that there was that wave of movies like that started like mostly in the 80s mm. that was about like people who had to work for a living are now saddled with a baby that they didn't expect because like yeah. a relative died or they're just you know some 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 weird circumstance. Now we have to take care of a baby. On top of everything right. we're doing. And I'm just imagining just photoshopping Godzilla into like baby boom. But like <laughs> But because it's Godzilla, it's like baby boom. <laughs> like ba- really ba- big. Ba- baby kaboom. Yeah. yeah ba- there you go. So Yeah, it's just it's a weird scene, and you can tell why they didn't stick with this. Because yeah. having Godzilla with like someone you want Godzilla to come in and clean fucking house. That's what you want a Godzilla to do. 
you don't want to spend like half the movie with him just like literally literally dragging like Manila just like grabs onto Godzilla's tail which is kind of cute a little bit but like you can't want that in every single movie hmm. so you just know that like after this and after I think Manila's in Destroy All Monsters and I know he's in All yeah. Monsters Attack was, was it All Monsters Attack? What's it called? All Monsters Attack. All Monsters Attack. With, with Gabar. Yeah. That's the one where he talks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, y- you know that after those three movies, like, Manila's, like, living with Godzilla's sister. <laughs> like, he just dropped okay. him off with his sister. Can, can I'll come at, by on birthdays, can, not Christmas. Can, can, can you raise my kid? I just, I can't do that. Yeah, it's like Tom Hulse in Parenthood. Just like, draw, uh, Jason Robards, you're a spring chicken. You want to raise my new kid? No. Do it anyway. <laughs> I'm a gambler. Remember that movie, Parenthood? Uh, it's it. I remember seeing it, and I didn't laugh one bit. It stressed me the hell out. It, like, it's I'll, not I'll, that kind of comedy. Yeah, I'll, I'll it's like, oh, this is gonna be like fun, wacky comedy. It's like this no stressful family situation. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite like it, but anyway, um, it's a Ron Howard film. Yeah, it's Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Say what you will about Ron Howard, mm. he's makes a lot of different genres mostly well. Yeah, like he's actually like adapts his style to most genres pretty good. Ron Howard. I'm willing to say this out loud. Probably would have made an okay Godzilla movie. Eber yeah. Sisk was pretty cool in Willow. <laughs> a giant he, dragon. He can, he can yeah. handle the yeah, like special yeah. effects and that kind of stuff. It was okay. Really anyway, uh, so uh, so anyway, Godzilla uh, and hooks up with Manila and he's taking care of the kid and all that shit's going on. Meanwhile, uh, in the middle of the fights that uh, all of these monsters have been having. Uh, a giant spider has been awoken from underneath the earth. Where that came from, we will not speak. Hmm. Uh, and the giant spider is big and pissed off and shooting webs at everybody. Uh, which seems initially like it's actually going to be a big threat. Oh no. This giant spider shoots webs at us and will be trapped in its webs. Uh, it turns out you have like a little lighter. It just sort of like snaps immediately. Like it's not actually it, it it introducing the lighter, getting them out of the webs immediately, and then using it multiple times afterwards really doesn't make the spider seem like that much of a threat. No, but I I appreciate that they do that and they continue to use a tool that they have. That's true. Uh, I've seen a lot of fantasy movies uh, where they have this like special tool to get them out of a scrape mm-hmm. and they use it once and then they kind of discard it. Yeah. And I that understand from uh, like... It's like Jamie Lee Curtis dropping the knife in Halloween. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Like you have that tool. You can keep on using it. Yeah. Uh, I understand that's for dramatic purposes. They want to be clever in the next scrape they get into yeah. they don't want to just do the same thing but you can, they have something that works and they stick by it so. if you want to remove hmm. a useful tool from your protagonist's arsenal because it makes the movie too easy for them hmm. it's very simple write it out of the script don't just have them forget about it or drop it have it break yeah. Have it get lost somehow in a way that isn't annoying, preferably. Hmm. Things break all the time. Things get lost all the time. I have a choice. I can either run and grab the gun or I can save someone's life. And because of that, we don't have the gun anymore, but it was the moral thing to do. Boom. There you go. Hmm. The lighter could have been lost in a million ways. But anyway, uh, by this point, all the scientists are now living uh, in uh, the archaeologist's daughter's cave. And at this point... Like, all the monsters are attacking everyone. And at this point, I actually started liking the movie. Like, I wasn't really mm. on board with it for a while. It was okay. But when it just became actually about... Because so many of these monster movies, uh, 
the threat to humanity is so gigantic it's abstract or it's actually kind of non-existent because the monsters are kind of fighting in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Here, there are human beings like stuck in a cave being hunted by a giant spider and like there's this giant claw that's like coming through the door and like hmm. impaling people and shit and that's kind of cool. And that just felt like an actual like honest to goodness like Island of Dr. Moreau monster movie at that point. Where just everyone's just like afraid of giant monsters that are coming to kill them. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually kind of fun for a while. You should, you should do this. You should actually keep this concept going. What if, instead of monsters constantly popping up in uh, Japan or wherever, uh, just all willy-nilly, what if we had, hear me out here, a whole island of monsters where they all go and they all live and they all hang out and have tea parties and sometimes fight. What if, what if we, what if we did that? <laughs> what do you think, Winnie? Sure. Yeah. Let's what let's see that movie. Let's watch that. Cool. Oh, we just did it. Okay. That's great. <laughs> all right. Well, wonderful. I actually kept thinking because there were so many monsters kind of randomly on this island that we would discover that this island was actually monster island. Oh yeah, and no. That's, that's where that, I thought it was going. No, no, no. That's that's later. Yeah, there there is a separate monster island. I thought it's, it was just gonna. This was gonna be it, and we're just gonna keep coming back here. We're gonna rename it Monster Island later. No, different yeah. island with a whole bunch of monsters on it. Yeah, fine. Uh, Manila gets in a big. Tries to protect like the lady from the giant mantis. Mm. Doesn't do a great job. Ends up in trouble himself. Godzilla has to come in and. and kick all the butt uh meanwhile uh our scientists have realized that uh their best way out of the situation is to flash freeze the island to go through the experiment and do it mm. the right way uh mm. so they're gonna do that yeah and so Which, it, uh, and as we've learned that yeah. there's precedent flash mm. freezing takes care of monsters it does godzilla was trapped in a, in a glacier for many years mm. uh because of After just being buried godzilla under ice again. yeah yeah um so fine the precedent has been established um that's their big plan and so it ends with like this big climactic battle as godzilla manila is trying to help as well is fighting the giant spiders fighting the giant mantis as the the island is getting colder and colder and colder and snow is falling and even after they defeat the giant spider mm -hmm. it's so cold the, they, they can't get off the island, they and they're just, they're they trudging lay, lay through the down snow. and freeze. They're yeah. trudging through the snow, and Manila can't keep up with Godzilla. And Godzilla trudges along, not realizing Manila is behind him. And Manila is is just stuck and like freezing to death. And Godzilla looks behind him, and he goes, "Oh no, Manila!" And he like trudges back over to Manila, and he holds Manila in his arms. And I'm like, "What the fuck, Cormac McCarthy bullshit is this?" <laughs> Is this the fucking road? What the hell are we it's, doing? It's the road. It's so goddamn dour. This was supposed to be the light, silly one. And mm. this is the most depressing thing I have seen in any of those movies. And I know they tack on a line saying, yeah, they'll hibernate and they'll be fine. Mm. That's not what we're getting out of this. It looks not like visually, they're huddling yeah. together, ready to die in a nuclear winter. And that's just how they end. 
The humans are rescued by a submarine good for fucking... I don't fucking care. Fuck them. They did this to Godzilla and Manila. Not even Manila deserves this. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, I, was about to say, I was about to say, I think I'm okay with it because Manila just sort of annoys yeah. me as a concept. Yeah. So watching this thing kind of like slowly freeze to death gives me a little bit of sadistic glee. But then, but then even uh, Godzilla is like trying to like cradle manila and like give give manila comfort as they die and it's so such a bummer if uh if manila is powered by the same sort of inner nuclear fire Uh that godzilla is that's i assume godzilla doesn't need to eat you know godzilla is just powered yeah powered by nuclear that does seem to be the case i've never seen him in anything manila does eat fruit oh yeah a little bit the the lady like throws like these big giant fruits they have on the island in manila's mouth yeah you know what, do, do they say in dialogue if Minila is Godzilla's child? I don't think they actually explicitly say that, but they do talk about how he's like taking care of Manila like he's his father. Yeah. I think they actually call Godzilla Manila's father. Okay. I know his father's coming, oh, that kind uh, of thing. It's, it could be posited, headcanon, that they're not the same species. Maybe. That, that Minila is a different kind of kaiju that yeah. has like similar nuclear breath but mm. isn't powered by nuclear fire and we've established that so, kaiju although they have a tendency to fight each other they don't necessarily have to and yeah. they can actually have a positive working relationship with rodan mm-hmm. and mothra uh if assuming you know tensions can be eased um maybe because the thing is is that manila is like sending out this like brainwave that like encourages Godzilla to come in and protect it. Yeah. But makes the bandits want to hurt it. Maybe that's Manila's superpower. It has this like you know like there's that like um there's that like uh parasite or something that like cats have in their in their in their poop. Uh <laughs> that actually like if you get this in you it makes you like like cats more. And apparently in like in the wild, like this the whole idea is that like animals that would normally be a cat's prey will be less afraid of cats and therefore cats be more able to hunt them. But in like people it just makes us like cats more. Makes you think. Maybe that's Manila's superpower. He's got this like brainwave thing that makes you want to protect him, even though he's kind of helpless and annoying. And so Godzilla might not actually be his species, but Godzilla has been Tricked by Manila hypnotism. Mm. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. And this is something that I, I, I don't think we're actually going to directly get to because while there's a lot of Godzilla media out there, we will only be focusing on the movies. Yeah. There, there's TV shows and comics and all the rest. What is the difference between Manila mm-hmm. and Godzuki? Oh, Godzuki is a different animal. Okay. Godzuki is uh, in an animated series in like the 70s. Yeah, which yeah. Um, was lost for a long time, and oh. uh, Toho resurrected it and put the entire series just on YouTube for free. So you can actually watch uh, a sanctioned uh, Godzilla animated cool. series on YouTube. But yeah, Godzilla um, had his own Scrappy-Doo in an animated series, and I was really... I assumed that God... Because I knew... I. I had seen some of the old Godzillas like as a kid, back when they were still in like, syndication. So I'd seen Godzuki, and Godzuki is like kind of like a little Godzilla, and it's kind of well, scrappy. It looks like a it. dragon. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Um, which I suppose Godzilla kind of does too. But anyway, um, 
I assumed, you know, I was only half paying attention. I was a little kid that Godzuki was Godzilla's son mm. or child or whatever. Uh, and I assumed that Manila, which I'd seen like, you know, little bits of in various things, uh, was Godzuki. Mm. And then when I found out that Manila's name was Manila, I thought, oh, well, maybe they changed the name for the animated series in America for some arbitrary reason. They like to do that kind of shit. No, just two different mm -hmm. random kids Godzilla found. Yeah, uh, Godzuki is, uh, by the premise of that show, Godzilla's nephew. So Godzilla... <laughs> he does have a sister! So he does have a sister. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so Manila's being raised with Godzuki. Yeah, Manila and Godzuki yeah. are, are like... On Monster Island somewhere. Yeah, they're, they're actually cousins, but they're being raised like brothers. Yeah, that's kind of uh, cute. Brother from uh, yeah, God, Godzuki was like more human sized, uh, could actually speak to the people, mm. could summon Godzilla. Um, mm. That Godzilla looks more like a dinosaur from the yeah, 70s show. Yeah, it does. uh, doesn't breathe radioactive fire, but just like like a fire breathing dragon. And also has it's Superman fire. heat vision. Like God, that, that Godzilla, <laughs> that Godzilla can shoot lasers from his eyes. I, I oh, saw that as a fine. kid and I remember some of this stupid crap. I couldn't tell you like uh, like the story or the premise or any of the human characters, but yeah. I remember that stuff. I'm always amused in like fantasy or sci-fi or superhero fiction where, you know, there's a lot of superpowers that make a lot of sense. You're super strong. I get it. You'll have like super muscles. We have muscles in our body. Yeah. Yours are super strong. Makes a lot of sense. Fine. But then there's the ones that like get like kind of weird and abstracts that we've just sort of accepted. Mm. Like uh, being able to shoot energy beams out of your hands. Yeah. You can't shoot anything out of your hands. Did you build like a new energy gland in there <laughs> that like opens up all weird mm. and gross like? Why do we why did we have uh, laser beams coming out of people's eyes? I understand x-ray vision because your vision and it's, you can see altered, more stuff. Yeah, altered somehow. Telescopic vision. That makes sense too. Fine. Shooting lasers out of them is a bit of a leap. Of why is well, that? Well, we do. We emit. We emit liquids out of our skin. We, we can. If, yeah, yeah. And if it was liquids, like, I guess I'd be fine. We with can it. give out, you know, like pheromones and gases. <laughs> now, so I just imagine that your skin is also like able to emit energy out of uh, just out of your skin. No, I don't. And, and if you're aiming it in a, a weaponized fashion, uh -huh. aiming it out of hands makes sense, right? Yeah, I, for or me... They, they could shoot it out of their knees if they wanted to. The, but... the liquid thing has actually given me an idea, and I kind of want to, like, see, like, a superhero character or something like that, but instead of, like, Cyclops, where he shoots energy beams out of his eyes, like, hot lava pours out of his eyes, and it's horrible, and he can't stop it, and it hurts. Yeah. Uh, that would be fun. Um, anyway, am I forgetting anything about this movie that is uh, of note? I'm trying to see here. I made some some notes to see what was of note. But I think I may have got the... the... Oh, I had a question for you, yes. actually. Uh, because in some respects, you and I are very similar. And in some respects, you and I are very different. Well, we we have similar taste, but are mm. but for very different reasons. Yeah. So we often like the same thing for totally different reasons, or when we di when we differ, it's like violently differ. But I'm not even talking about taste, though. I'm just talking about as people. Mm. But one of the ways in which we differ a lot, uh, at least for now, uh, is you're a father and I am not. Indeed. You have raised your I own have, Manila. I have an eight-year-old child. You have a Manila of your own. Yes. Based on your reading of the situation, of 
the relationship between Godzilla and Manila and everything that they go through. Is Godzilla a good dad in this movie? <laughs> Just based on the, not the speculation, like in the uh, actual movie, is he a good dad? Um, I mean, what what are what are the benchmarks of a good parent? You, you would your, know better you, than me. You love your child, okay, and you have to. Uh, just sort of be present for your child. Okay. Uh, and be patient with your child. Okay. Patience. Infinite patience is, mm-hmm. is a, a requirement to be a, patient, a parent. Okay. Um, does Godzilla display patience and attention to you? Yeah, kind of. I mean, he, does, he doesn't always look like he's happy about it, but like he'll... He keeps showing up for Manila. Yeah. He doesn't like... Well, tell him to stop or like get rid of him or anything like that. He yeah, lets God, he lets him play with his tail. The same he's... same way like an animal might or a bear. Which is bear, yeah. but animals can be good parents too. You know, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. uh, they're, they're they're taking care of their offspring. Mm-hmm. You, you you see like a, a mama kitty nursing a bunch of kittens, mm-hmm. and uh, you get the impression that that's a, a loving mama kitty and mm-hmm. like licks the kitties on kittens on the head. I suppose they might resent their kittens. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they're cats. They resent everything. So. <laughs> Isn't that the truth, Dante? <laughs> now, Dante's actually being all cute and kitteny over here, and Luke is like five feet away from Dante, just staring daggers at him. <laughs> I think Luke is the one who should be talking to here. But then, you know, you learn about, you know, animals that eat their own young or, you know. Well, like, like I said, they could be uh, bad parents. Hmm. Godzilla didn't eat Manila, so you're saying not, that's the only that's the only criteria? If because he didn't do that, he's a good dad? Not yet. He's not marbleized <laughs> yet. <laughs> Godzilla's just fat, fattening up Manila for the kill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he established that he couldn't eat things. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, they they only need one meal, and it's their own young. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Last thoughts mm. on um. Uh. Son of Godzilla. Uh. I, I think I kind of said it that that this is really kind of a turning point. I, I like the bugs. I like bugs the, cool. the idea of Godzilla fighting a big bug. Is just, you know something very basic about that. It's kind of surprising they haven't gotten to insects and arachnids. Yet. Oh, I guess arthropods. Yeah. We had a lobster, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. These sort of like less um, cr- creatures with like less human features. That you know they require a lot more special effects to realize because there mm. aren't people in those suits. Yeah. Uh, and that makes Godzilla seem like a little bit more animal. It's animal versus animal. I like that aspect of it, but. Uh, just yeah, the tone is really bad. You said you like the score. I like the score maybe in a vacuum, mm-hmm. but it really lacks the so that military march that we've gotten in previous. I, I, I don't mind movies. that it doesn't have a military march. I actually think that like it, it's okay to have a different approach mm. to the soundtrack to a Godzilla movie, especially when you're trying to alter the tone. There's some actually like really groovy, pulsing, exciting musical cues in this one, but. And I wasn't a fan of, like, the opening credits bit, which really did just feel like a 60s sitcom. Like, it was way too... It, was, it wasn't just light, it was jaunty in that very pithy sort of way. Like, I really thought we were going to go to Gilligan's Island for a second. Yeah. Um, but there's other musical cues in this. I actually, actually think, yeah, like, this is the kind of thing where it's like... Um, you know how like uh, he's not the only one who'd do it, but like Quentin Tarantino for like his movies, he usually doesn't use like a a new score. He'll repurpose old scores, often in wildly different contexts. Yeah, this feels like something you could repurpose 
in a modern genre film, probably a throwback film in some way. And people would go, that's a very cool score. What is that from? And then you tell them son of Godzilla and they'd be like, ew. And I'm like, yeah, but we saved it. <laughs> we rescued it from, like, that, um, from that context. Tar- Tarantino did that with uh, Village of the Giants. Yeah, I exactly. One of his movies. That's and, a terrible uh, movie. Village of the Giants. I, I like Village of the Giants just because uh, it's, it's kind of really corny and strange. Well, it I, is corny and strange. Can't fight that. But yeah, it's got this weird, in- it's weirdly intense score. Yeah, for how light and feels like an old noir film. Yeah, it's, it's like, doesn't... this monster movie about giant teenagers. You remove the context, you'd never guess what that movie's, what's that theme is from. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of cues in this movie that if you removed Son of Godzilla, okay. you'd never guess it was from one of the sillier Godzilla. I, I, I suppose movies. if some yeah like hip filmmaker who's really into monster movies decided to repurpose the score uh, then sure that could work i remember here as part of like its actual piece in context yeah less interesting well i remember when i was in film school and a lot of us were making short films and none of us were music like one of us knew how to play guitar but none of us were musicians Uh and we couldn't really afford to have anyone compose an original music forever so every uh short film we did we would repurpose scores for various things uh what what we would call uh in the industry a temp track yeah as you are editing a piece the score hasn't been written yet but you want to get a sense for how the music might play and actually affect the action so you'll play like a bit of a musical score from another movie oh while over that scene uh and um give you a sense of how that will play out. I've seen a lot of like early cuts of movies there where like the climax uh, didn't have the score written yet. So they just, and this is the go-to, mm-hmm. they use that James Horner cue from Aliens where the ship is like flying out of orbit and the planet's about to blow up. You don't like the movies much as I do. It's great. It's very intense. It's a very intense building up to a big moment you know like when is it going to happen when's the big moment coming i think i only made it to to the end of aliens like once because because the the first time i was taken to see it was at a midnight show and i Uh, fell asleep well i mean that's Uh, that's not the end of the world i I can appreciate that but and then i I was taken to another midnight show and i fell asleep a second time so it's not like the first see it during the day someday well eventually i did watch it i did make it to the end but yeah Anyway, uh, so I'm just saying, if you want to, like, if anyone here is, like, making short films or in film school or something, and you want to use, like, a soundtrack to your short films, that isn't what everyone else is doing. Like, when I was in film school, I saw, like, three different people use Hans Zimmer's score to Black Hawk Down in, like, their shorts. It was just overused. No one will know what this came from. (laughs) It sounds really neat. So, I would go with that. But, um... Yeah, this is you know I didn't I didn't dislike it as much as I, I feared I would. Yeah, I'd heard the Scrappy Doo legends. Um, I think they mishandle Manila. I think Manila is simply in the way too much for yeah. him to be a successful new character that we'd actually want to see more of. Mm-hmm. But by the time they were dying together in a nuclear winter, I I felt so bad for him that I felt bad for hating him earlier. <laughs> and now I'm a, I'm, I'm a little mixed, but there's some stuff I like. Again, I think the monsters are really neat looking except for Manila. Uh, I think, uh, I, I just don't like the design of Manila. No, he's um, a weird looking dude. He yeah. just, it, it, he, he should look more like a little Godzilla. Mm. Make him look like a little Godzilla. 
That would be cute. Have and, a Godzilla and, and with a little we'll, Godzilla next to him. And we'll have a baby Godzilla in the next continuity, in the Heisei era. Yeah. There's also another Minila character, and when that Minila is first born, mm. it's... I, I have to admit, it is kind of cute. It's like chibi mini version of Godzilla. Like Great. It looks like a Godzilla. It's kind of reptilian, but it's got like big cutesy eyes. I'm, and, then the, and then the following movie, uh, it's like a little bit more lizard shaped. And in the yeah. last movie, it's actually like Godzilla shaped. Oh, so it's like Groot growing up and like yeah, the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's cute. Hmm. That works. See, again, I think it could have worked. I think they really tried too hard to make Vanilla seem human. Yeah. When Godzilla isn't human and we love Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Make him look like a little Godzilla. That's so much stronger. Anyway, not the biggest wash I had, I had expected, mm. but also one of the one of the worst ones we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whitney, tell us a little bit about the film that we're covering next on Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It, it is Destroy All Monsters, isn't it? It is Destroy All Monsters. All right. Um, Destroy All Monsters is where we get them all. All the monsters get in. Get in on the action. King Ghidorah's back, mm-hmm. but rather than just have Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan, or just Godzilla and, and Which Rodan, is enough. That's a lot of monsters. Yeah. Uh, this time we need them all. Yeah. This time we need uh, Anguirus. This time we need Baragon. This time we need Manda. This time we need, you know, uh, also Mothra and Rodan. Yeah. I think Varan, Varan shows up, doesn't he? Rod- uh, no, Varan shows up later? I don't think Varan is in Destroy All Monsters. But basically a lot of the kaiju that we've run into so far mm. will make an appearance. Some yeah, of the this, new footage, some in old footage. Yeah, the uh, Gorosaurus uh, shows up. Um, there's uh, this is the Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. of the Godzilla films so far. Like yeah. this is what it's all been building to, and uh, there's a a strange majesty to destroy all monsters uh, that I feel like it, it, it's sort of like the last big punch of this yeah. series before it just sort of tips all the way into silliness, and we get you know jet jaguars and gigans. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of those movies. Some of those are fun. Oh, they're they're yeah. fun, but yeah, the, 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 the tone will is, shift. This is going to be like the, the last of a very particular era, a very particular type of Godzilla movie. Yeah. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it, and that will be next time on Thank Godzilla. It's Friday, or if you're listening to this episode on the main critically acclaimed feed, not on the Patreon feed, uh, our episode about Destroy All Monsters will already be up. Yeah, because our patrons, even at one dollar a month, get every episode of Thank Godzilla It's Friday ad free, and one week early. Mm-hmm. So if you want to join in, you want to you want to jump ahead, you want to leapfrog, you're really excited to learn about Destroy All Monsters, and you're not listening to it on the Patreon feed, in which case it might be brand new. Head on over to the Patreon, join us. A lot of exclusive shows there. Uh, we have hangouts as well. Uh, it would really mean a lot to us if you could. And if you can't, please leave us a review wherever you find us. That really, really helps a lot. Yeah. Like if you if you if you listen to a lot of the shows, if you subscribe, and you've never just given us a star rating and jotted down one sentence, be honest, uh, it would really help us out a lot. And yeah. we we would love that, and that would be just a, a kindness on your part. Uh, but in any case. That is it for Thank Godzilla. It's Friday this week. If you want to talk about a thing we discussed in this episode, you remember watching this movie when you were younger. Do you have any information or trivia about it that uh, we didn't mention here? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. 
Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a fiscal letter to P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep. Uh, we are on the social medias. We're on Twitter and Blue Sky at Critic Acclaim. I am on Twitter and Blue Sky at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold on those same places. I'm on the Instagrams. Yeah. Uh, contact me and give me some money and Ooh. I will send you radio dramas. Yes, Whitney has written and directed and produced radio dramas. Multiple four of them to be yeah. precise they're 30 minutes a piece mm-hmm. um i won't bug you with the stories here but they each have different stories they each I, have full cast they're they neat they're really high concept and interesting mm. uh i think uh, maybe my favorite is the one about uh the woman who's like stalking frosty the snowman <laughs> that's the christmas show yeah yeah that was going uh but also if you're a patreon at our at our uppermost tier you get all of those episodes uh, all of those radio dramas at no extra cost yeah those, but if you can't afford to be part of the 20 dollars tier but if you can't afford to be a patron track whitney down on social media you can give him a couple of bucks and he'll send you radio right. dramas yeah to enjoy uh please do they're really good they should they deserve a big audience um i, I wish i had the time to make more uh, so do be, i be nice. so do i um anyway i think that's i think that's it i think that's it thank you everybody uh once again we will see you next week and never forget Rawr! Is that your Minula or is that Godzilla confused? I don't know.